Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. What a great day. What a great day. Here we are on Friday, January the 29th, almost through with this this first month of the year, only 11 more to go. Welcome to each of you, Tricia and Wallace and Mary. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Sandra, it's good to see you out there and all of you. And we welcome you to this morning devotion family. Meet each and every morning, seven central time or each and every weekday morning during the 21 days we go through the entire weekend as we will this weekend, the Lord willing. I bid you, encourage you, follow the page, share the page, and you're going to want to share this today. I I believe this has tremendous power. Day 19, 21 days of prayer. Heads up, we're going through the weekend and all next week. We're in the book on prayer and today's devotion, today's devotion in the book on prayer is about the seventh weapon. In this morning devotion, as is our custom, or as whenever you watch this during the day, I will, as the Spirit leads, uh, do a parallel thought with what's in the book, not duplicating, but trying to reinforce uh, what I discuss in the book. Praying in the Spirit. This is today. Feared, needed, and unlimited. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to lapse into teaching mode. Is that Okay. Not many stories, not many personal illustration, no jokes. My kids say they're not funny anyway. But Karen, Roy, Michael, don't you like my jokes? I mean, don't you think I'm funny? I mean, I need some affirmation here, some validation out there. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. And let's let's see what God is going to do in this moment, in this hour. I feel, I feel so strongly about this thought today. So very strongly. If you come through these 21 days of prayer with anything, anything that helps and blesses and strengthens your life in God, I'm very grateful for that. But oh, today, one of the chief distinguishing marks of our prayer life should be praying in the spirit. And I don't think we can discuss prayer. Certainly couldn't have written a book about prayer without mentioning this. And more than mentioning this, practicing it, just enveloping this in our lives. I strongly believe that this is not only an early church or apostolic practice. I believe it was normative in the apostolic age in the first century. It's what people probably thought of when they thought of prayer. Back then, it was feared by hell. Today, it's it's feared by weak and carnal believers. Yeah, hell too, but weak and carnal believers. Usually, you can tell it's something feared by how, how much we ignore the plain commands of Scripture, by how little we talk about it, practice it, by how much ink is spilled by scholars and theologians to explain it away by how much we've got to twist ourselves into a pretzel to excuse not doing it. Praying in the Spirit is therefore a feared practice in the modern church world. It puts God and not man in control. 
It's part of our spiritual nature, part of the spiritual man. We are partakers of the divine nature. So fear it or not, it's part of the spirit-filled, spirit-led life. And we not only should accept it, we should embrace it, practice it. Praying in the spirit should play a vital role in our prayers. We went, When we enter a day in an age like we're in right now, and we don't know how to pray, that's when the spirit prays through us. We are here, folks. We've never been this way before. Praying in the spirit is needed as never before. So Jose and Deborah, Donetta, thank you. Thank you when you pray in the spirit. We forget so easily everything starts in the spirit. Genesis 1, God's spirit moved on the deep. His breath, the wind of God, the Ruach brought things into existence. It's no accident that God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. It's it's the spirit of God. It's the breath of God, the wind of God. Jesus breathed on his apostles and said, receive ye the spirit. A once born person would go on to become a twice born child of God. I know we say that man is simply a created being, but there was something different about man than all others. Fashioned from the dirt of the ground, made in the image of God. We are, oh boy, less human beings than human becomings. We are less physical creatures than spiritual creatures. Our flesh should be subordinated to the spirit. Fleshly, the flesh dies. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, that's life. Jesus breathed on them, said, receive ye the spirit. For the one by whom all things were made showed the apostles, just as this world needed the wind and spirit of God, just as Adam was incomplete without the spirit and breath of God, so too is the church and so too is every believer. We need to know how to pray in the spirit. So Mike and Renee and Rita, Diana, Jean, Glenn, praying in the spirit. In Acts 2, it was the same spirit, the same wind that blew through the upper room. The church was born. Our reliance on the spirit is the measure of our walk with God. We pray in the spirit when we don't know how to pray. When we feel things lodged in our spirit. When the words just won't come and they choke in our mouths and throats. When fear raises its ugly head, when we need healing, we pray in the spirit. When we need wisdom and direction, we pray in the spirit. When we need strength in the inner man, we pray in the spirit. When we need help, help beyond what's humanly imaginable, provision, we need answers. We need truth to counteract the enemy's lies. When we need help paying the bills, we pray in the spirit. When we need help forgiving somebody, pray in the spirit. When we need help navigating this uncertain season, we pray in the spirit. John recorded Jesus groaning in the spirit outside of Lazarus' tomb. And then Jesus said, uh, said where those nearest could hear, thank you, Father, you heard me pray. When did Jesus pray? Of course, there's many things in his life that are not recorded in scripture, but in this context, the obvious conclusion was his prayer was the groaning. A groaning in the spirit. And we see in Hebrews 5 where Jesus in his flesh 
prayed with strong cryings and tears. One translation says vehement cries, another loud cries. Isn't it obvious how needful praying in the spirit is? Because we don't know how to pray as we should. And so the spirit will pray through us. Oh, can I get a witness to that right now? Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit, it's feared, it's needed, but it's unlimited as well. It's unbound. It's unfettered. It has no boundaries, restrictions, no, knows no state or national line because it's not by our might. It's not by our power, our wisdom, our charisma, our intellect, our IQ, our abilities, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You see, praying in the spirit is not optional equipment to the one who prays. As we're going to see in just a few moments, it's the praying that identified the early church. It's the praying in the spirit that turned the world upside down. It's the praying in the spirit that puts saints in Caesar's household, that caused men and women to triumph over impossible situations. In John 4, Jesus tells us that God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in the spirit. Yeah, must worship him in the spirit. John said that on the inspiration of the spirit. John, John lived that on the Isle of Patmos. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. My body, my calendar, my chronology, I was on the island. I was exiled from my homeland, from the body of Christ, away from those that I love. But my spirit took wing and my spirit soared and I was caught into the heavenlies. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, when I pray in the spirit, I pray in ways I don't understand. My prayer list falls from my hand. My mind quits wandering from checklist, worry list, task list. And I began to pray the agenda of God. And I began to pray in God's timetable. I began to pray in his will, praying in the spirit. Oh, today, Today, devotion group, it's needed, it's feared, and it is absolutely unlimited in its scope. So let's dive into this today, Jose, Sandra, and thank you. Thank you for being the share. Share it because what we're about to go into some deep waters, deep waters that, oh, should not be deep to us at all. What is praying in the spirit? Where can it be found in the Bible? Can we dive into the word of God? And I've already pointed out some connections between the creation of the world, the birth of the church, both were God breathed, both caused the breath of God, the wind of God to move. Same too with the once born Adam and the born again child of God, God breathed on us. I've pointed out how Jesus said in John, God is the spirit to worship him. We must worship him in spirit and truth and how John lit that out. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I've already referenced the Lord's groaning at the tomb of Lazarus and how the writer of Hebrews note that this was a, this was a practice of the Lord Jesus, strong vehement cries, groanings in the spirit. But now let me just hit a few key passages to reference this. Now I want to underscore this practice of praying in the spirit that it has a biblical basis. This phrase or something similar in the spirit um, is used 
a couple of dozen times in the New Testament. It's hard when you look at these instances to come away with any other conclusion that praying and worshiping in the Spirit is something to be embraced, not avoided. Let me give you let me give you the scope of these. I'm not going to mention each one of them or cite each one, but let me give you enough to underscore the importance. Romans 8. Yeah, Romans 8. Two verses. In the two verses immediately preceding the most quoted verse in Romans 8. Romans 8:28, we know that all things work together for good. But I'm looking at Romans 8:26 and Romans 8:27 where it says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities, our shortcomings. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit is searching our heart and reveals the mind of Christ and makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I I just, that's Romans 8, 26 and 27. Groanings that cannot be uttered. Translated in in many different ways. Groanings, too deep for words. Inexpressible groanings. Wordless groans. Unutterable groanings. Groanings which cannot be vocalized. As the Spirit gives utterance. As the Spirit moves in us. The Spirit will pray through us. And doesn't that give you a brand new understanding to that all things work together for good? Is that the working of everything outside of us is prompted by the working of the Holy Spirit in us. We can't expect everything on the outside to work out for good unless we're allowing, oh, can I get a witness to this? Unless we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us and pray through us where we pray in the Spirit with groanings that really have no translation. Groanings in the Spirit. Then we jump to the next the next book in the New Testament. We go from Romans to 1 Corinthians 14. In fact, it's nearly the entire chapter. You could just camp out on that for lessons of praying in the Spirit. In verse 2 of that of that chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, we read of speaking in an unknown tongue that when we do that, we're not talking to men, we're talking to God. Because man can't understand it. So we're speaking mysteries in the Spirit. So when we speak in an unknown tongue, when we pray in the spirit, we're speaking the mysteries. We're talking to God. We're not talking to man. And that's praying in the spirit. And oh, you can't believe the amount of ink that is spilled trying to explain that away. Folks, let the word of God be the word of God and let it say what it means. When I speak, when I pray in the spirit, I'm praying in an unknown tongue. God understands it. Man cannot understand it. Then you look at verse four of that same chapter, First Corinthians 14. When we speak in an unknown tongue, it's not known to man, known to God. We edify ourselves. You're going to see that again in the book of Jude. In verses 14 and 15, when we pray in an unknown tongue, man can't understand it. God understands it. We're praying in the spirit. We don't understand what we're saying. Paul then asked a question, what is it then? What is the conclusion? What is the outcome? What am I to do? 
What are we to do with this knowledge? Now, the apostle to the Gentiles, our apostle, the apostle who wrote half the New Testament, the one who said, I thank God I speak with tongues more than all of you. He replied to his own rhetorical question. What are we to do? What are we to do? Well, he said, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray in words that I understand. I will do both. But he put praying in the spirit before praying, praying in an unknown tongue before praying in a known tongue. Are we missing something here? Are we missing a vital practice of praying in the spirit simply because we don't understand it? And I fear that may be the case with many. Later in that same chapter, verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul puts a parameter on this. He said, in the church, when I speak, when I'm speaking and teaching in the church, I would rather speak five words in a known tongue than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. Why? Because when I'm teaching in the church, I'm teaching people and I'm trying to reach them. I want them to understand what I'm saying. So I will speak to them in a known tongue. If they don't understand what I'm saying, then I'm failing in what I'm trying to impart. How much clearer can we get it that when we pray in the spirit, we are praying in a language that is not known to our hearers or even to ourselves. We're praying in a, land, a language understood by God alone. We're talking to God alone. Mm, a powerful chapter. First Corinthians 14, dedicated, devoted to the spirit and praying in the spirit. But that's not all. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 2.22, we read that we are in Christ, a dwelling place of God in the spirit. In the same chapter, we find that we have access to the spirit through, through the knowledge that we're in Christ, the experience of being in Christ. To borrow Jesus' word from John 15, as we abide in him, we have the life of his spirit working in us. Then jump to Ephesians 5. Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the spirit. And then he goes on to describe what a spirit-filled life looks like. Be filled with the spirit. It makes sense if we, if we are to receive the spirit of God, if we're to be led of the spirit of God, if we're to walk in the spirit of God, then shouldn't we be filled with his spirit, his life, his strength in working inside of us? And this precedes the verse that I use in the devotion in the book on prayer today at the close of the believer's armor, Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, all prayer and supplication in the spirit. You're going to see a similar phrase in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, be afraid of nothing, worry about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, you've stopped worrying when you start praying in the spirit, you know you're moving from anxiety when you begin to pray in the spirit. I wonder, he said all prayer in the spirit. I wonder if we don't practice partial prayer. We pray with our understanding, but we refuse to pray in the spirit. I think it's time to remedy that. I think Friday, January 29th, the year of 2021, it's a good time to remedy that. Could it be this is what James 4, 3 references? We ask and receive not because we ask amiss. We ask for what the flesh wants. That's what James said. But asking amiss, that's outside of the will of God. How do you know if you're praying in the will of God? Well, one way is when you pray 
in the spirit because it will be the mind of Christ praying through you, praying exactly what you need, praying exactly what you need for this season. It's proof that we abide in him, that his life, his spirit is in directing us. Then as I mentioned, Jude one twenty, but be but ye beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. If you want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, consider tapping into this feared, needed, and unlimited practice of praying in the spirit. So Kevin and Martha and Don, we got to pray in the spirit. Here's a key difference between us today, those of us post Acts chapter two. Holy men and women of old prior to that chapter were moved on by the Holy Spirit. And you see the powerful demonstrations that came to them. Moses and Daniel and Elijah and Elisha and Ezekiel, Isaiah. You see what God did when he moved on them. Yeah, there's a long and strong tradition of being moved on by the Holy Spirit. But now we're post-Acts 2. We're in the church age. And we have the potential of not only being moved on by the Holy Spirit, we have, we have the distinct possibility and opportunity of praying and being in the Spirit. That wells of living water spring up in our lives. A flood of His presence is flowing through us. We say, Lord, send down your Spirit, but really it's within us. The promise of the spirit is for you. In the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons, daughters prophesy. Young men see vision. Old men dream dreams. And of course, this promise was given in the context of the outpouring of the spirit and filling the upper room and filling each and every one that was gathered there, praying in the spirit. It'll edify you. It'll build you up. It will enable you to pray God's will in difficult times. It will refresh you. Isaiah said it will bring the rest that causes the weary to rest. It will reveal the secrets, the mysteries, the hidden things of God, the answers that you need for the moment in which we live. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day, but this does not mean this experience is confined to a single day of the week. No, you and I can be in the spirit right here and right now, praying in the Holy Ghost. I like what one translation does to Romans 8, 26. It says it's God praying through us. It's God praying for us, making prayers out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. Can I tell you something today? We should be praying out of our innermost beings, out of our belly shuffle rivers of living water. We've not prayed until we tap in to the white water of the spirit of God, that rushing mighty river flowing on the inside of us. It is there in those prayers that the miraculous happens. It's there that the glory begins to come down. Oh, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, David and Sue and Connie for being a part of this. Would you would you share this with someone today? I just believe that there are going to be some breakthroughs and miracles. There are going to be some answers. Confusion, anxiety will be vanquished as the rising tide of the spirit of God comes inside of you and you pray 
in the spirit of God. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow morning, God willing, and may the Lord be with you the rest of this day. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.